How's it going, everybody? This is the Frames and Flames podcast. My name is Brian, and I am joined by my co-host, Max. We are both fire photographers, and we look forward to an amazing show talking about all things fire photography and emergency services related. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not a professional podcast, so you may hear some sneezing or a fan, but please bear with us. Also, this podcast will contain some profane language and have some discussion topics that are not suitable for sensitive viewers. So if your discretion is advised, With that, enjoy the show. This is the Frames and Flames podcast. Welcome to the Frames and Flames podcast. My name is Brian, and Max is sitting in his corner like I told him to. Howdy, howdy. Tonight, we are going to be going over our gear, what we use, why we use it, and why it's important to us, and why we think it's important to photographers as a whole. Um, So tonight, Max, I think we're just going to kick it off with some news stories. Let's get it. Uh, The United States Air Force was in the news again after shooting down a third unidentified object, which, let's be honest, we probably could all tell it was probably a Chinese balloon, but they're not saying it. I vote UFO. I think that's just more fun. Why would they shoot down the UFO, though? Like, they would capture that shit and take it and test it. Hey, I stand by what I said. Okay. So now the F-22 Raptor has its third air-to-air kill in its existence. Keep in mind that this aircraft has been around for over 20 years. You know, for reasons. Um, the unfortunately, some sad news: the earthquake in Turkey has caused over eleven thousand deaths. Um, urban search and rescue task forces from around the world, including those from England, Scotland, the United States, France, and I think Canada, are over there right now helping with the recovery and the rescue. Um, of any survivors and the recovery of any remains. Um, let's see, what else is in the news that isn't terrible? Well, there's New Meadow, the hazmat response. That's local, at least. Yeah, there's that Idaho news. Uh, there was a large hazmat response in New Meadows. 12,000-gallon uh, propane tanker overturned and ruptured, and firefighters have been there. Firefighters from the Region 3 hazmat team from Boise and Caldwell have been there for three days, I think. And it's been one uh, crew or propane off just the one crew. Yep. As far so. as national news. Holy shit. Oh, I just scrolled down more on CNN. Uh, I was way off on those death numbers. Talk about Turkey thousand. Dang. Wow. Dang. That's yeah. Hmm. That's that a... is insane. Well, that's terrible. I, for lack of a better term, that's a bummer. Um, let's try to get this back on a more positive. Again, our hearts go out yeah. to the nations of Turkey and Syria, and to all the people that are there, um, helping out and doing aiding in the recovery efforts. We have a saying in the fire service um, when we see the brothers going to go to a job and we say, go get them brothers. Um, I think that saying is warranted here, especially given that this is probably one of the biggest rescues ever conducted um, at one time. Um, On one, our last news story of the evening before we get into our usual bullshittery uh, is something that I guarantee you nobody thought about. Max, no. when was the last time you saw a blockbuster? Uh, uh, oh god, years. Well, I mean, there's the one in Oregon, right? That's when was the literally last time you saw one. 
Oh, I have not seen one in person in ages. So, those of you that don't know, there is one Blockbuster video left in the world. It is in Bend, Oregon. It is yep. still open, still operating, still renting DVDs. Their whole shtick is being the last one open, though. It's turned streaming services exist. Yeah, I got like seven on my phone. It's the whole nostalgia thing. I they I've seen like they I think they have like an Instagram or something, and their whole shtick is just we're the last blockbuster in existence. No, I mean, hey, I'm not gonna fault them. Like, I would love to go up there and rent a movie. Like that was my childhood. (laughs) So the funny part about this news is. They have an ad timed for the Super Bowl tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's kind of crazy. Huh. I kind of want to watch. I'm going to watch Super Bowl tomorrow with my family, but. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it just for that commercial. Just to I'm see curious. what marketing like, they yeah, have. How? Like, hey, uh, all you youngins. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> Remember DVDs that haven't existed since before you were born? Yeah. yeah. Well, technically they still exist, just no one uses them. Okay. Oh, another big news in is regarding the Super Bowl. The flyover this year is going to be all female pilots. That's cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Rest of the news. Let's see. Chick-fil-A, lame. What about Chick-fil-A? Uh, something to do with a new sandwich not being chicken. Apparently that's on CNN for some reason. I I don't know. North Korea, Ukraine, Harvey Weinstein. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. He's getting sued by the chick he was convicted of raping. Good. For her. Just Fuck gonna, that guy. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say good, objectively. Uh, let's see. Politics. Random photo of an owl that I don't understand why that is on CNN. Who? An owl. Who? A bird. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently the 10 best women's running shoes is on CNN. I don't have a bit for that one. It's just, okay. I don't either. I'm just kind of confused as to why that's on the front page of CNN. I mean, hey, yeah. getting good running shoes is a big deal, but why it's yeah. on the front page of an international news organization. Hey. How to tell that we're running out of news. Yeah, if it's not Donald Trump or Joe Biden or somebody died, like there's really nothing on the news these days. Like nobody shoes. Knows. Apparently shoes, but shoes. Like, no, the war in Ukraine's not getting covered anymore. No, that is burned up. It ran its course. Yeah. Eh, no, that's lame. Actually, I have a bit of news that we can uh, end things off with for the news segment. All right, let's end our news segment with news from Max. I'm going to let him speak from his corner. All right, I am. I'm officially stepping out of the corner for a second. Uh, as of today, because we're uh, recording this late, this is also a plug. So I'm going to go into salesman max mode. Uh, I've oh officially released. Plug. I've officially released merch. I will be shameless about it. 1076media.com. You want to pick up? Oh, he's beeping me out. It's all fun of games until I can just edit it. <laughs> you can try, but oh, that was a pretty long bleed. Separate okay, audio tracks. Separate audio tracks. He forgets that I edit these things. Uh, anyway, if you want to pick up some super sweet merch, uh, 1076media.com. Uh, help support me and my project. Uh, so we got stickers, shirts, prints, all sorts of fun stuff. If you're a fan of uh, my work or just want some cool art, check it out. Shameless plug ending.
I will say uh, Max's stickers are pretty good quality. I have one on the lid of my toolbox. It's crooked, and Max gives me shit about that. But so we got the all new smoke eaters designs. So I got logo stuff know. and this super sweet design. Uh, you can also get it on the back of a shirt if you're into that. Send me one of those stickers, dude. Just give you a care package at Mayhem, which uh, March Mayhem. I think there's some spots left. Made for I, some there's gotta stuff. Be like three or four like spots. Like it's getting the tight. If you're not there, be there or be square. <clears throat> there's no live fire left. Uh, I think the Elkhart might be sold out. If we talk to Gino later, we'll ask him. Yeah. Um, we're, I know we're some getting closer and closer to that. So, a couple spots left. Um, he's pissed at me right now. <laughs> Because oh I was like, hey, my dad, he asked, he goes, hey, do you know where we can get like a pallet of water and a pallet of Gatorade, but you can't do it? I was like, okay. Um, so I reached out to people in my dad's circles. Otherwise, I just asked my dad. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, hey, Gino, we got an anonymous donor. They said they wanted to say thank you for your service. And he goes, who was it? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. He goes, was it your dad? I was no. like, maybe. And he no. goes, you motherfucker. <laughs> so, hey, we're drinking good at Mayhem. And I said, you just specified it didn't have to be me. You didn't specify how many Brian Bonners I couldn't ask. <laughs> it would have been different if he specifically said Brian Bonner cannot donate. But yeah, because there's more than one of us. Yeah, it you know the whole cloning machine. Yeah, I mean, I was just gonna ask fucking my dad's family. Anyways, I got a lot of rich family members. Be like, hey, I need Jesus this. Christ. How much? Seven hundred bucks. Okay. Either way. Thanks to that, we're going to be drinking good at Mayhem. So, dude, you're hydrated up. 190 bottles of water on Amazon. You bought them on Amazon? Yeah, a whole ass pallet. How is okay? So, like, I don't know how the fuck that worked, but it did. Where is it being delivered to? Uh, so I haven't bought it yet. Okay, I was going to say, like, I'm just expecting, um, like, Saturday morning, the Amazon truck rolls up to Nampa's campus, just like, yeah, it's gonna go to the Napa Training Center the week yeah. of the twentieth. I think I'll probably order it on like the eighteenth. Yeah, because the Amazon Center's right there in Napa, so they'll probably have it fairly quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's water, you know. Yeah, and then a pallet of Gatorade, dude. The whole thing is a tax write-off. That's true. That is Pools very is a true. Five hundred one c three. That so is very true. So I told true. my dad, I was like, "Dad, tax write-off." He goes, "Oh, sweet tax write-off." <laughs> Fuck taxes. Fuck yeah. the government. Yeah. Hey, at least I'm getting money back this time. The views and opinions expressed by Brian during his rants is not the official views of 760 Fire Photography. Uh, yeah. Anyway, taxes and shit. Uh, so, uh, so gear. We're talking about gear. Going to be uh, diving into the stuff we use, why we use it. Um, and it is important to note, I, I think we we both agreed, and we've talked about this before. We should hey, while you're talking, I'm going to stand up really quick and change the battery on my radio and turn yeah. my fan on. Sweet. Uh, so... We use different gear, um, and we're very public about that. We also do that because we shoot different styles of content. Um, so Brian is more artistically photography-based, uh, and I'm definitely more video-based. Um, started out as news, and you guys know how that's going. Um, switching away from the news side, going to a whole different thing. Um, so we use different pieces of gear, and when we talk about the gear that we use, it is not that... God, beer burps. Um, it is not the end-all, be-all of what you can and can't use. Um, 
there are obviously ups and downs to every piece of gear that you have. It's also really funny to watch him in the window reflection. It's entertaining. Um, but yeah, so we use different pieces of gear. Our recommendations and what we talk about are what works well for us in our scenarios. I know there's stuff that I personally use now that I want to change up in the future. So it's not the end all be all when it comes to gear. And also, <clears throat> no, um, That's <laughs> that is absolutely not true. Uh, it's also important to say, no, I, I will stick by my Sony's. Um, we might not explicitly say what exact products we use in this episode, um, but we're we're just going to talk about conceptually a lot of stuff. So just because we use it doesn't mean it's absolutely the best thing out there. Uh, and just do your research when it comes to gear. But with that little disclaimer out of the way, where do we want to start? I want to start with comms because that's the least amount of shit we carry. Yeah. Um, considering how much camera equipment and safety gear we carry. Um, yeah. As far as comms, I'm going to use specific product names because I know a lot of people can't afford this and I somehow got this as cheap as I did. Yep. Um, I use the Motorola APX 6000 XE. Um, I have two of them. And that I, is the, the traditional, like that is a legitimate radio for those that don't know it. Yes. Um, these are traditional radios. I can transmit on them. I can also not transmit on them. Some of the zones are programmed to where I will not be able to transmit at all, just for the reason being of, I don't want to be transmitting on dispatch or tack channels at an incident, just accidentally. Like, I don't want to have something, my knife slide back and click the transmit button while it's hanging on my belt. Yeah. Um, so not essentially there's, there's times where you can't, where you're legally not yeah. allowed to. So there's a lot of times, like I'd say about 90% of the times you cannot transmit. I do have zones though on here that these radios can talk to each other. So if Max and I, when we're at Mayhem, I'm going to let Max use one and we're going to be able to talk to each other outside of the training banks uh, so we're not clogging up that channel talking to each other about photography stuff. Um, these radios are great. They're very expensive. They run about $3,000 a piece brand new. I got them for stupid cheap. Um, had the programming done by a company in Florida. I'm not going to name names because I don't want people who have no business having this kind of stuff. It is a professional grade tool. And that's the other thing is that for us, these are physical tools. You know, it's the same as a, as a carpenter with a hammer, you know, it, like that is toys. the tools of our trip. Yeah. Uh, with that, as far as my comms go, that's about it. Um, other than the scanner apps on my phone that I use for backups when stuff goes down and stuff like that, I will defer to Max to let you guys yeah. know what he uses. So again, a perfect example of us doing things differently um, based on the nature of where we are and what we shoot, uh, I use legitimate scanners. Um, this is, uh, like, again, very, very top of the line. Uh, this is made by Uniden. It is the best handheld digital scanner you can get on the market. Um, and I'm not saying that to flex. I'm saying that because it has a very specific set of features that is what I require. And there are certain channels that just about only this scanner can pick up. So it's, yeah, like, again, okay. very specialized piece of equipment. Um, for those of you that are just starting out and you're in an area you don't know much about, the radios and the radio frequencies and that kind of stuff, um, there's a wonderful, wonderful website called Radio Reference. Um, and I highly suggest if you're thinking of doing any of this stuff on your own, which I myself am the type of person, I like to have my hands in the middle of stuff as much as I can. Um, so I, when I bought this scanner, I did the programming and stuff myself. 
Um, so go to radio reference. Um, you can look up um, by your area and your zip code, the type of channels and stuff. And before you even buy a scanner, the super nice thing about radio reference is it'll tell you what kind of frequencies they are. So whether it's digital or analog, uh, whether the big thing, whether they're encrypted or not. So around here, for example, um, there's a lot, a lot of encrypted stuff. So uh, all of Canyon County's PD side. Um, so Canyon County Sheriff, Caldwell PD, Nampa PD, all that stuff. Um, countywide is encrypted. So you cannot listen to any law enforcement channels in Canyon County. Ada County, um, a couple of the talk around channels, couple of the interagency channels, and the primary Ada County and Boise City dispatch channels are unencrypted, but everything else is encrypted. So go to radio reference, look up whether you can and can't actually listen to stuff. Uh, and then from there, the more research you start doing, you can start to figure out what kind of channels they are what type of systems they are uh, and then you can figure out what kind of scanner you need to pick up or what kind of radio you need to pick up because there are some cases where like the the motorola's that brian has they won't work with certain channels here uh, and vice versa so a lot of times uh, if you're in an area other than idaho i'm just going to say you might be able to get away with a little bit less of a scanner and not need this thing because again as far as scanners go it is top of the line and it comes with a top of the line price tag um, but you can find stuff that is suited to your use case. So just and do one your thing research. Especially with the Motorola's is having these professionally programmed um, because these can transmit in their base or functions, it becomes very easy to get onto a channel that is in the clear and you can transmit on and the departments will see, hey, that's not one of our radios yep. and they will brick the radio um, and it will no longer function. Yeah. So you just wasted $3,000. So that kind of frozen is called NAS programming. And only there's very few people in this country that can do it and do it well. Yeah. And I'm going to say, if you go that route, which that is something that I'm looking forward to or looking at in the future. Um, Cause again, there's different use case stuff um, with those radios. I mean, it is a radio first you're with the programming that you've done. You've pretty much in most cases turned it into a scanner but with the functions of a radio, you can physically jump channels and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas with this, I have it set up, um, which I, I have a couple other scanners as well. But with this one in particular, um, I'm just using this example because it's my newest and kind of flagship, if you want to call it that. Um, I have it set up so I can be scanning multiple frequencies. So I can be listening to the PD side, the fire side, different tack channels and that stuff, um, which you That's can't have do on yours my zones well i can because my zones are set up with fire yeah or law dispatch the different tax can you scan them at the same can you listen to multiple at the same time yep zone scan okay so yeah, i have so... my zones set up so when i went on a radio reference with my programmer and i picked what i wanted i was like hey this is what i want in these zones um the really cool thing about the motorola is it can have sixteen thousand talk groups on it so i can have as many zones as i want yeah um, so I have my zone set up. I have Mesa County, Colorado in here. I have Ada County. I have Canyon County. I have the P25 TAC group that my radios can talk to each other. Oh, shit. Never mind. Hang on one second. Weep. And then I have Bryan County in Georgia where my sister lives. Yeah. So just do your research when it comes to radios. Find out uh, a lot of the different models. It's not necessarily like going to buy a car where they all have four wheels and drive. 
uh, with radios and scanners, there's a lot of different stuff that does different things because the the physical radio systems work differently. So my recommendation is do your research, find out what your options are to begin with, and then figure out what you want to do. Um, for us, at least, it is arguably one of the most important pieces of equipment we have because um, at least I cannot do what I do without a scanner or a radio uh, by the nature of we physically can't get to calls or hear information. Um, as, as far as a free tool, uh, I think we can talk about PulsePoint um, in the style of comms. For those that don't know PulsePoint, it's a system that I believe agencies opt into. They do. They I, opt. Yeah. Um, and basically, it gives you a live feed of calls going on. Um, so you can you basically can subscribe to your agencies on the app. Um, so for example, uh, Access, which is the Ada County, countywide EMS and fire. Uh, you can do county, the same with county. Services system. Yes, what he said. Um, so you can go on, subscribe to that, and then it'll show you all the calls, the apparatus. Basically, um, all of the publicly accessible information that's not sensitive, like HIPAA violation stuff, uh, all of the the open uh, to the public information regarding calls that you can see. Uh, the caveat to that is sometimes it's delayed. Uh, sometimes it is not always accurate. And the biggest thing is that it does not show call notes or anything like that. So the, you know, Pulse Point might say structure fire and show the responding units. But on our radios, we're hearing what the dispatchers are saying. So they're going to tone out all the apparatus. And then at the same time, they will give information, you know, two-story single-family house, nothing showing, you know, send the units. We can hear that size up and decide, you know, is this something we're going to go to or not? Whereas on Pulse Point, it just says structure fire. So you're more limited on the information, but it's a free tool. So if you're just starting out, uh, use it. And that's something that I will look at all the time. I know you look at all the time. And even firefighters look at it all the time. Oh, Gino um, gets yeah. notification pulse point before he gets tones. Yeah, because uh, it is based off of the dispatch call. So before apparatus are even assigned, you see that. Um, but sometimes just by nature of the internet, uh, sometimes there is a delay on that. Uh, and I should also say it is only for fire and EMS. There is no PD equivalent of that. So that's pulse point. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. I don't think there will ever be. Um, I think there might be that PDs would put out personally. Yeah. Uh, like, hey, Boise PD, there's a bunch of domestics, but they're not going to say where or what. Yeah. They have like the end of the year crime statistics and stuff. But they I have it on an app that says, hey, this is what Boise PD is doing tonight. There's yeah. domestic, car crash, so on. But they're not going to give addresses, numbers of units on there. Mm -mm. They wouldn't do that. It's just at that point, it's kind of an officer safety issue. It is. Um, um, but I think as far as so, communications, uh, unless you had anything else to say, I was going to say scanner as far apps, as comms, um, scanner apps. I have a little radio walkie talkie app that I can, um, talk to you or Gino on if I have to. Yeah. Um, in Ada County, as of now, scanner apps aren't really the best because a lot of the web feeds are down, uh, which is again, another reason why 
physical devices such as a scanner or a radio are so important because there are there aren't a lot of live web feeds in the area some areas might have them some areas might not um a year ago you could listen to a lot in the county uh but over time they've been taken offline so and and that's i think that a lot of that is up to the individual user not necessarily a department requesting that it be taken down because uh, again stuff yeah. like pulse point and exists. the reason i picked motorola's over the unit in scanners because i had scanners when i worked back in san diego i had the whistler trx1 back then which they don't even use anymore fuck i'm old <laughs> um sorry let me i'm listening to tax while we're doing this I, uh, the reason I use Motorola is because that's what I'm used to as a first responder. Motorola is the primary. I don't really think anybody uses anything else. No, it, it leave, it, a lot, a lot, lot of law enforcement use Motorola as well. It's just, they are the big name in, in radio communication. Uh, Bendix makes the wildland radios for the U S forest service. A lot of the municipal departments, uh, but Motorola is, they are the guys. Yeah. Um, they do it, it right and they've radios. done it right for a long time. They have great customer service. Um, I had something start working weird on my radio. I called them and I was like, Hey, this is my serial number. And you guys send me this part. They're like, send us a radio. We'll fix it for you. I was like, sweet. They sent yeah. it back two weeks later. Like it was brand new. Yeah. Uh, like I said, those actual NAS programmed radios, something that I'm looking at in the future. Um, and it has different use cases. I personally... I'll tell you where to get them if you end up doing a NAS program. Yeah. Um, my guys. I, I personally don't want to do that as my primary device. That's why I ended up settling on the the unit and scanners. Um, that's something that I, in particular, wanted as my main daily driver, so to speak. Uh, but I have noticed, which I think is going to be a theme that we end up talking about a lot with all of the gear, is the more you use it, the more you start to see things where you want something else or you like it here over some things. The more you use it, the more you notice stuff. So there are situations where I would prefer to have a radio, but for 90% of the time, I am super happy with these unit ends. I mean, that high-end scanner is going to do the same thing this radio can, except it's not going to be able to transmit or be programmed to transmit in any way. Yeah. That is the nice thing is that out of the box, that thing you don't have to worry about frequencies or hot miking or getting in legal trouble with the FCC. Because um, be care again, when we say do your research, part of that includes looking up what you can and can't do on certain radio channels. Uh, and because- reach out to your local agencies like, hey, yeah. I do this. I want to start scanning. I have a radio that can be programmed to do so. Um, I'm going to NAS program so it can't transmit. Is there any channels that you guys will not would not recommend having on there based on legal standards? And they'll tell you. They'll be straight yeah. up. They'll be like, hey, you can monitor our dispatch channels. We request you don't monitor any other open channels just to keep our officers or our personnel's privacy. Like yeah. they'll be straight with you. They were su- when I called and asked, they were super cool. Yeah. I I'm gonna say to 90% of departments that are using like P25 digital systems, which if you don't know what that means, don't worry. Uh, again, go to radio reference, start there. Um, but a lot of the departments that are using digital systems probably have those sensitive channels encrypted already. So you don't even have to worry about that. Don't try to decrypt them. It's very difficult, but in some cases it is possible. Do not do that. I am saying right now, don't do it. I don't do it. 
that is yeah it's a felony the fcc will come hard for you you don't want to do that that's bad news bears i have a knock on your door at three o'clock in the morning from the alphabet boys if you start doing some some sketchy yeah. shit like that yeah it, it is a it is a felonious crime to do that uh, but a lot of the agencies uh like specific to my area at least if i were to ask them chances are the stuff that they said they're fine with me listening to is what is publicly open and non-encrypted anyway so just check radio reference at the very least you'll get some info you'll get some knowledge and that's a fantastic place to start yeah as far as comms that's about it i'm gonna move on to headgear because i have mine sitting next to me yep you don't long (laughs) fucking story (laughs) Uh, i can't wait for you to hear i can't wait for you guys to hear that one yeah we'll get to there eventually i think because max might be doing video for this one yeah. I am going to go into specific products because this is another very dependent on you, very dependent on your area, very dependent on what works best and what fits you best. I have the Bullard UST-6. Um, it's a traditional-looking fire helmet with the standard Burks eye shields. Some of you might ask, why the hell do you need those? It's a look, to be 100% honest. With a custom shield from Taylor's Tins. Um, Taylor, great dude, great prices. 100% back him. As you guys can see, I have mine sitting right there as well. Fortunately, it's not on stories. a helmet yet. Why Max doesn't have his helmet yet. <laughs> um, I also have a Streamlight. I think this is the, yeah, the Streamlight Vantage 2. Um, this is going to blind you guys for a second, how bright this light is. It is a traditional kind of firefighter helmet setup. Yeah, and then I have the Onyx uh, Firecam 4K. So this is just... It's just something for me that I can put into reels and stuff like that, that it shows it's wide enough to where it shows my camera coming up in front of the helmet and me shooting whatever's going on. I personalize the helmet a little bit um, with some stickers on the inside. I love my Elkhart Brass Boys stash salt mustache wax because as you guys can tell, I have a mustache. Um, I just went to the barber and got it all cleaned up because it was starting to look kind of scraggly. I don't know anything about that. The Scottish flag, because my family is Scottish and Irish. Um, I have the Irish flag somewhere. I think it ripped and I had to take it off. And then the Treasure Valley Fools sticker, because uh, Gino, my boy, he kind of got me in the door in Idaho, and I figured that was on there. Also, I have a Streamlight helmet band that I can stick uh, door wedge, stuff like that in if I ever need it. Um, underneath that band, I have the FDNY 343 sticker uh, with my mom's side of the family being from upstate New York. That affected people that I know. Um, and it affected the fire service as a whole. So being a part of the fire service, fire and EMS service, I should say, because I'm not a fireman yet, um, is a big deal. Um, it's got my last name on the back. So if I'm looking up at something and somebody's behind me and doesn't see the camera or whatnot. Oh, dude, wait a second. I should go. Well, you're talking about your headgear. I should go down and get my vest. Yeah, if you want. Out of the locker. Um, we can also can... just talk about it if we want. Yeah. Um, um, and then after that, the helmet's not really that special. I'm getting a custom leather chin strap for mine from a local guy who's recovering from back surgery. Figured I would support him and get a chin strap. Figured it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, as far as helmets go, I'm actually, a, it's a super long story. Uh, <laughs> and I have been, I pretty much every situation where something could go wrong, it has in this process. Because you didn't listen to me. Whatever. Um, but I actually am getting the same helmet, um, partially because it's for the money. It's a fantastic helmet. 
Uh, it is not as expensive as other options, and you're also getting decent quality. You're not getting something that's going to fall apart on you or just not do a good job of protecting your noggin. Um, and this is something I will just go out and say, not every photographer needs a helmet, especially a structural helmet. But we, speaking for the two of us, we are in situations where we can strongly benefit from them or also are required to have them uh, because, again, the the training scenarios and the, uh, the different events that Brian and I are able to attend, um, those are situations where we use them the most. And I will say maybe 5% of incidents that I go on, I could benefit from having a helmet on. Um, the only reason I have one uh, structural helmet for incidents is because I was asked by Coldwell Fire, hey, can you wear one? Yeah. If you're going to be as close as you would like to be, um, just yeah. for your safety, for our liability, can you wear one that clearly identifies who you are? And so we yeah. don't, so somebody that doesn't know you doesn't be like, hey, grab this because you can't do that. Yeah. I, I don't think it's something that's absolutely required by every photographer, but. Except on wildland fires, always yes. wear a helmet, especially I, yeah. if there are air tankers working in the area. I'd specific to structural helmets and these types of of brain lids uh specifically structural stuff i don't think every photographer needs one um, but uh -huh. again in scenarios where for us in these training events and different things that we go to and are invited out to um some training grounds require that you have them um or you know if you're in the training tower anything like that it's a requirement or it's just good common courtesy for us when we are that close using them. So as far as helmets, not absolutely required, but again, we both use them. I have one on the way, so I can't say I have one right now, but it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, they're good to have when you need one. Um, and I'm going to say, if you are in with an agency or a department that has brought you in and you work closely with them, uh, especially if you're at a lot of training stuff, good idea to get one. Um, I, I think I, I am the type of person like err on the side of caution. If you're going to be doing that, if not, just don't get as close, you know, or don't be in situations. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. Like for us, Gino even said, he goes, you guys don't have to wear helmets. I would recommend you wear them yeah. at our fools yeah. trainings because there is stuff moving around and you guys are in the training towers. He's like, I would recommend you wear them, but you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, from our perspectives as ambassadors of a brand and as business owners, it is a little bit of advertisement and it makes us look a little bit more professional uh, as opposed to Joe Schmo walking up with nothing. You know, if you have a helmet, you have a good looking lid. Um, it's just that much more branding. And it's also it's identification. So if you're somewhere and you have it on, people see it. They know it's you. That kind of deal. Um, Wildland, especially. Wear a helmet. If you are doing any sort of wildland gear or any sort of wildland shooting, have all of the gear. Those are situations where Yellows, I... Boots, wildland pants, fire pack with a shelter, helmet, radio, radio. Yeah. I, I personally have never shot a wildland fire. I've shot wildland urban interface, but that is not the same as me going out into the forest or wherever and shooting a big ripper. I don't have the gear personally. I also, it's not that big of a thing around here, that type of fire. So I have not invested in that yet. Maybe I will down the road. So I have that option. But if there was one going right now, 
I would not run into the middle of it because I don't have that gear and I'm not comfortable doing it. You obviously have the gear, Brian, and you have some experience with larger wildland fires. Um, again, that's kind of the area, and just yeah, it's SoCal. It's always yeah. on fire. Yeah, build your kit out depending on what you're going to be shooting. I think that's a very safe statement like, to say. If you're shooting fires, you don't need to be wearing body armor. Hint, hint. Some stringers out there, you don't need that. Okay, some stringers, not professional stringers. There are incidents in which body armor would be appropriate. Yep. But you do not need armor to shoot a structure fire. Yeah. Ever. Because if there is any kind of ammunition in the fire going off, they are not going to let you within a rock's throw of that fire. Yeah. It's it. You just look like a tool at that point. Um, on the topic of body armor, that is something that I am looking at because I do shoot more law enforcement stuff. And uh, I don't want to say too much, but I will be in situations in the future uh, where it's a good idea to have them uh, or have some. So, yeah, for this. it there are scenarios where it's good to have it. But again. I will say not an absolute priority to have, especially when you're first starting out and you don't have a ton of money to throw into it. Don't worry about armor. Um, if all you shoot is like super hot PD calls, maybe prioritize that. But, you know, if you're an all around emergency photographer, I wouldn't necessarily worry about it. Um, but else, while we're on the topic of safety gear, another big thing for me, uh, which is one of the first pieces of gear I actually picked up is a traffic vest. Uh, if you are anywhere near a road or something reflective highway, yes, yeah, something something <laughs> reflective. Um, you can get super basic like ANSI class three vests on Amazon for like 10, 15 bucks. Something with I wear the uh the Metro Fire Photographer's vest from the Vest Guy. Um, it's got reflective. I know Max is buying one. Yep. Um, as far yep. as safety equipment, another big thing is longevity health, like Carrying camera equipment around can be hard on your back, on your shoulders, yeah. and on your neck. So I bought that vest based on the recommendations of some other photographers that I know. Um, it has really good padded shoulders and load-bearing straps. And my cameras, as we're going to get into the camera equipment, it they're heavy. Yeah. So it's very much a – that is a safety part. I'm going into the, the reflective thing. I mean, get something reflective. It's not hard. Yeah, like I said, you can get those vests super cheap. Um, the first one I ever got was on Amazon. It was it was pretty cheap. Obviously, you get what you pay for, so the quality might not be the best on some of those cheaper ones. But it is a really good idea to have something reflective. Uh, and specifically, I'm going to say ANSI Class 3. That's A-N-S-I Class 3. Um, that is a safety uh, measurement or a classification um, that... That's kind of the, the standard. Uh, so get something like that. You can get them on Amazon for super cheap. If you're anywhere near a road or a highway, uh, it's a good idea to have that. Or also if you're at night, uh, if you're shooting at night, it can be, again, an added level of safety and added level of visibility. Because the last thing you want to do is sneak up on a scene and surprise somebody. Um, you know, you don't want to be the most noticeable guy around or you don't want to be stealing the spotlight, as we've talked about before. Um, but you don't need to be an absolute ninja sneaking around and surprising people. So get a traffic vest, especially if you're in the road, that kind of stuff. Also, don't be in the road if you don't have to. A shot is not worth your life. Correct. 
I have seen people who have been hit by cars. It is not pretty. It does not end well. Yeah. Uh, I, and this is stuff that we've also talked about before. Um, on that note and on the topic of being in roads, I personally don't like shooting freeway stuff. Um, cause it's one of those risk versus rewards. Um, don't shoot freeway stuff. Yeah. It, especially in Idaho, it's a totally different beast than places like Southern California. Um, Unless that roadway is completely shut down, I will yeah. not be on that roadway with my camera. Yep, I am. I'm the same way. Speaking to interstates, surface streets, <laughs> people go a little slower, a little bit different. Yeah, freeways, yeah. it's a whole different beast. Five miles an hour versus 90 miles an hour yeah. are going to have two very different effects on your body. And that is coming yeah. from a nationally certified emergency medical technician. That is uh, legal advice. Don't no, get jellied. I am not a lawyer. <laughs> uh, don't get yourself jellied on the side of the road. Don't yeah, do it. I don't. One, I don't want to have to explain to someone why you're dead. Um, two, it's kind of messy. And three, you probably don't want to be a paraplegic or on a ventilator. Or and granted, I am. There are people who have walked away from getting hit very, very hard by cars. Being a little hyperbolic here, but I'm being worse, Casey, because I know what happens when people get hit by cars. Yeah. And the results are usually not pretty. Yeah. Not a good idea. So if you have no business being on that roadway and there is no safe place for you to be near the roadway, just leave. No yeah. sense in you getting hurt or risking yourself for no reason. Yeah. Um, I think another good piece of gear while we're kind of on the topic of safety gear is good clothing. Um, I would invest in a good jacket is my recommendation. I have a, a soft shell, um, almost like a patrol jacket that I wear a lot. I really like it. Um, pretty good. Have stuff that's comfy. That's going to keep you safe. Um, if you're my in my 11 job shirt and my winter, uh, rain jacket. Yeah. Um, if you are doing, I'm just going to say like wear appropriate clothing. Um, this is somebody, coming from somebody who wears jeans and vans most of the time when I'm out shooting. But for my use case, I am usually in more urban or suburban areas. Uh, if you're somewhere that is having a lot of water or you're in a more uh, wilderness area, get some good boots. Uh, a lot of times I'll carry boots with me. So if I need to, I can change into them uh, or have some more uh, like wildland pants, that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't wear it all the time because it's just not appropriate 90% of the time. Uh, it's more comfortable being in, you know, vans and jeans for me. Um, just get stuff that works, you know? Yeah, like for me, I always have, I mean, I'm usually in jeans and cowboy boots because that's what I wear every day. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm on training events or I'm at larger incidents, I'm usually in my hikes, EMS wildland boots that I wear at work. And hikes are good stuff. Stops. Um, they're heavy, but they work. Yeah, um, I have a pair of 511 boots, so. The 511, like the Halicon patrols are really nice. Um, I've had those in the past. They were really great. They supported me well. Another big thing for gear is identifying gear, especially if you run yep. your own company. Now, yep. making up a name and starting an Instagram is not a company. Um, people with companies sometimes are LLCs or Inks. I am not one. I don't know if Max is one. Nope. Um, I have a, a DBA filed, so I I am a legal entity, but. I am not an LLC or anything like that. Maybe yeah, down the road. Copyrighted, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, identifying. Like, as you guys can see, I am in my polo. It's got my logo, wearing, my name, yeah, title. Yeah. 
and just because I'm that guy, Merca. Yeah. Um, it's good to have that kind of stuff. Obviously, I'm wearing merch. This is I'm trying not to plug this right now. Um, that's one of the merch designs I have, but I also have gear that is just my logo front and back. Um, obviously, like I'm gonna have hats in the future. Uh, we have our helmet shields, have patches. My traffic vest is actually now branded with my logo. Um, we've Bring talked about. Yeah, I, I got it on when I uh, started doing the other printing for the, the shirts and stuff. Nice. Um, it looks actually really good. Um, but another thing we've talked about is if you have a, uh, this is a huge thing, if you have a legitimate press pass, have that out and identifiable. Um, if you don't, again, I'm in an area, you're in an area where these agencies don't do press accreditations. So I have uh, a business card out um i have a, a lanyard with a holder so it's still an identifiable feature of me it's not actual press credentials and it's not trying to be press credentials because don't go down that road of trying to falsify stuff that's also yeah don't do that uh but i have um if anybody's ever seen me on uh calls anywhere you know i have that lanyard and it's identifiable it has my name the company my contact information there so it's identifiable to me i also keep business cards in there so you just pull a card out easy to go um, but be identifiable so especially when you start to build up your brand identity and you have some weight behind your name people see that and say oh sweet you know that's that's max over there with 1076 or oh i know that guy hopefully you have a good reputation going so people are fine with you being around that's just part of brand identity i have a legitimate press credential issued by yep. the city of San Diego police department because in San Diego, um, it's not required, but it's recommended that you apply for one. So they know who you are. Yep. Um, if something happens or if they find the press pass or something like that, um, in my press holder, I carry business cards. I carry a photocopy of my driver's license. So if a law enforcement officer, um, says, Hey, stop, need your ID. Um, I don't have to go reach in my pockets and stuff like that. It's um, right I carry there. a copy of my NREMT in there. So if, Let's say I'm on a scene and I see somebody get drilled by a car because the firemen are working somebody else in some looky-loo and I go to render aid because I am required by law to do so. Um, if somebody walks up and says, hey, what are you doing? You're a photographer. You're not an EMT. I can pull my NREMT card out and say, hey, yes, I am. Here's my license number, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's pretty much as far as safety and identifying equipment goes. Yeah, it, you don't need to go over the top, but like we were talking about with radios, and again, this will be an underlying theme everywhere we go with this episode. Build it out to your needs. Um, you know, obviously, I haven't dropped a bunch of money on wildland gear because I don't shoot wildland fires. You just don't need to build out your gear to what you want to shoot and what you can shoot. Go from there. Does not need to yeah. be big and fancy. Now it's camera gear. This is where Max and I were going to violently disagree on most things. Yep, we've been pretty... I'm right, he's wrong. Oh, shut <clears throat> up. No, I am not shutting up. Canon is better! For what you do. Oh, just in general. Okay. Uh, if you haven't figured out by now, he's a little Canon fanboy. Uh, and yeah, I, I use Canon. Um, so I use the Canon EOS R6. I mean, this is not a really proprietary thing. You can find these. You can find this shit on Amazon. Yeah. Um, I stand, I am one of those people that tends to stick to one singular brand of lenses. Um, because Max does more of the video side. He probably he uses a little different types of lenses. He might use this stick to the brand method. 
Um, I use the Sigma uh, lens brand. Um, they make a phenomenal product. They yep. are superb quality. They're very durable. I have shot uh, with some Sigma, and it, it is really good glass. I, I will say that much. And I'm a firearms collector as well, so I'm kind of picky about my glass. Max has heard me rant for hours about how durable glass is. Like that, remember how mad I was when that one chip in my <laughs> Yep. Yep. I do. I was so pissed about that. Yeah. Um, but Sigma is a great product. I use the mirrorless cameras. I used mirrored for a very long time. Um, I think the mirrorless gives you a little bit more clear of a picture. The overall quality of the image doesn't really change. It's if anything, um, it's just think, a little bit sharper, and you might be. I think that the mirror much better at night. It's a little more durable, um, as far as a camera as a whole goes, and it gives you a little more sharper of an image. You can do a little bit more with it. Um, so I prefer Canon, and this is a big thing. Like we've said all night, do what works best for you. Just don't buy Nikon. I will be friends with us that. if you buy Sony or Canon, but if you run Nikon, no, you cannot sit with yeah. us. When it comes to the physical camera body and lenses, do your research. Again, know what you want to shoot because there's a lot of different stuff out there. Um, also, different price points. You don't need a top-of-the-line camera, uh, especially to start out. Just get something that works for you. The Canon um, EOS Rebels are great starter. Yeah. Especially for those that do that have an interest in buffing because at the baser level, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, for those – do you want to explain that term for those that so don't know? Buffing – Every kid wants to be a firefighter or a police officer or some crazy shit when they grow up. Um, they love looking at trucks. They love looking at, and some people like to do that into adulthood. Um, the Tacoma Fire Buff Battalion is a perfect example. They went from just recording incidents to now they now respond as a part of the Tacoma Fire Department with an old decommissioned ambulance as a rehab unit. That's a great example of how buffing can be used as a positive factor. Um, buffing Even is like just Eric Hurst. The main PIO for South Metro. Yeah. Well, he was Started a firefighter buff. a long time yeah. before he uh, got promoted up to PIO. Yeah. But buffing is essentially what, in the basic, basic, basic levels is what we do. Um, a lot of times it's like filming stations, response videos. You see a fire truck out and about, snap a couple shots, you're fire buffing. It's, it's yeah. like level one emergency photographer. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's level one. And... A lot of the time, it, those are just folks who like that cool stuff, and there's no no hate against those guys. Absolutely, I was one of those guys. I still am. I mean, I work in yeah. fire and EMS, and I love seeing shit go down the road. Yeah, I you know I consider myself a more professional photographer at times, but there's there are times when I'm just focused on oh that looks cool, that's a nice. You feel like rig. a little kid. You see a rig scream by you going code three or a, co a bunch of cops or a SWAT truck or an ambulance. Yeah. you get a little kiddish again. Like I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I. I'm almost 24 years old and I still think get a little kiddish. I think buffing is an element of what we do. So, yeah, but like I said, the basic, basic levels is what we yeah. do. Um, and the Canon rebel series, they are a great camera. They're great for beginners. A lot of the times too, you don't, a lot of folks that I've run into that don't do this to the level that we do or the level that Mike Fila does or the on-scene TV guys don't have the formal photography or videography experience or training that we do. Like I learned under Dr. Raymond Elstad. Um, and uh, I yeah, learned under my college Mike major. <laughs> and I learned under Mike Fi uh, and Anthony Carrasco, who is now a San Diego police officer. Love uh, Anthony. Yeah. 
he is, I was texting him the other day. I was like, Hey, how are you? dude? How's it going? He goes, dude, it's so much fun. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Goes, but I hate paperwork. Yeah. Um, but honestly, and then for microphones, I'm selling right now when I'm recording, I use road products. I love road products. I've had great experiences with them and I couldn't ask for more from them. Yeah. I use a DD mic on, on my rig. I guess we can talk about, cause I haven't explained what I do. Um, since I, I'm, as far as we're breaking it down, I do still photography. I do yep. some video. I have helped max with some video when we need a long range shot that Max's lens can't really reach or we need a separate angle but I mainly do still photography just because that's what my eye is, especially in photography and videography. You find your niche and what your eye is. Like for yep. me, my eye is the artsy fartsy type of shots. Like the rig looks super badass. I get a different angle, snap a shot. I see a guy that's got just this perfect look on his face or is about to do something cool. I get that shot and it's captured in a singular video. Max, and I'll let him go into this a little bit more, he gets that shot as it's happening and records it versus getting that one single frame of it. Yeah, I'd say now, or at least when I started out, I was almost 100% video. I think now it's probably more at like a 60-40 split because I'm doing more and more photo stuff. And again, that's one of those things where your experience as a photographer evolves and it's totally okay to, to change stuff. I do it all the time. Yeah. Um started getting into video i used to straightly be still photos yeah it, that's that is totally fine obviously you know do what you enjoy doing i'm having more fun with photo stuff so i'm branching more into photo but still my my rig is primarily meant for video um it's basically a video rig i'm using a sony mirrorless body but i've built it out to a proper like almost cinema cam style rig uh there's photos on my oh, instagram what what model of Sony do you have? It's an A6400. So actually, what's considered a mid-range to entry-level camera, it's not a professional camera. Um, I figured you had like the A7 III or the A9. No, I, I'm looking at getting one of those, but I'm also thinking about like an FX3. Um, yeah, they, have the F they just came out with the FX30, which is like the little brother to the fx3 but it's like the r10 into the r6 and the r5 yeah it's it's a video first mirrorless body and it it's insane looking um but i have if you go to my instagram and go to the highlights at the top of the profile i have a bts one and i have a couple pictures and videos of my rig uh if you have not seen my my camera rig before um didn't i get a couple of pictures of you where you could make out your rig pretty well at some of the stuff we were doing. Yeah, it was more silhouette-y. Well, there was um, the one from the back um, yeah. at the last reading. Then there was the one, I think one or two I got at you at that DUI. Did I say that? Yeah, there's there's a couple. Yeah, um, those are those are decent. Um, but if for just a basic look, go to my Instagram, go to the BTS thing and look there. Um, but primarily what is on my rig is the camera and the lens. It's on base plates and rails so I can put together and change a lot of configurations because uh, I do more than just emergency photography so I have a little bit of flexibility in the use case of my camera and I also I've designed this specifically with the idea of I have my rig and I am using it all day not needing to change anything that is a, a philosophy that I use so on that rig is a super big battery and I can get 
four to six hours of runtime, depending on what I'm doing and what accessories I'm using. Uh, I have a super big SD card in there. Obviously, that's it's important just to have storage. I think that Brian can agree with that as well. You're but I have the sixes and the five hundreds. Uh, using a two fifty six. That's what I usually run. There, I can get eight or nine thousand photos on each one of those. Yeah, four K video likes to take its toll. Um, but I have a super yeah, big V mount battery for those camera nerds that know what that means. Um, it's literally probably very large. It's very large battery. Uh, I can get a lot of runtime off of that. Um, on top of the the camera, I have a top handle. I have an external monitor because again, I do a lot of video first. So a viewfinder is not that useful. Um, and I have a, a very large. Basically, it turns a little tiny like three inch camera screen all the way up to like a five or six inch screen, I think, which is a huge difference. Um, and then I have a shotgun mic uh, and I have a light on it for nighttime. So I built that rig out specifically for my needs. Again, some people might not need everything on it. Some people might need more. There's stuff that I want to do to that rig uh, to kind of change it here and there. Um, thinking about like a map box or a follow focus, also a shoulder rig. Um, again, look at your needs, find out what you want to do. Um, but if you look at Brian and I, our equipment when it comes to camera stuff is entirely different. You pretty much have just the body and the lens, and I have a full-on rig. Yeah, like I can drop a mic on there or a loom cube on mine, but I, I have them. I just I don't really use them that often. Um, and at March Mayhem, you guys will see stuff on our Instagrams. We'll take pictures of each other, and you guys will see those pop up um, because we said – because. A lot of times we're not ever in front of the cameras, even in our own lives. We're not mm -hmm. in front of the cameras very often because we know how we're to take pictures. So we do it. Yeah. We're um, always the ones taking the pictures. We'll take pictures of each other at mayhem and you guys will see that get posted up on our social medias. Um, we'll take pictures with Gino. You guys will finally see what he looks like. Um, we have a couple pictures and stuff here and there. If, I don't have any pictures like with Gino though. Like I have a picture of him on there. That's fair. I mean, we have a picture of like just his nose from that one you took of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you guys will get to see kind of from our point of view and I might start posting. I found some old helmet cam video from just some basic stuff I was doing. Yeah. Um, that I might post up in like a real format. Just I just was like, oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll try to do that. Um just so you guys can see kind of from my perspective, what I'm looking at while I'm shooting. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to put a GoPro. Out there. Yep. Like that's another all around as a photographer. If you're doing up close stuff, I'm going to say as like a news gatherer or as an incident photographer, a GoPro might not be super useful. Um, but I use them. Great for scuba diving. Yeah. So recently I've gone on incidents and I've actually worn them um kind of like a, a body cam and get that first person view um when i get my helmet uh gonna do obviously like the the helmet cam style just for some higher quality i've put them on my car before um hey when you said you were out with a dive team the other day and you said you had your gopros up, did you give them your gopros yep. and they took them down that's where i was getting yeah so i have footage uh i was that's with, awesome i was with the the boise fire dive team uh, a couple days ago or yesterday um, and they were doing every month they go out and do some uh, specific dive qualifications and training and stuff. So we were out at Quinn's Pond, uh, which for the Boise folks, you, you know, pretty decent sized pond. Uh, and there was still some ice there. So they were doing ice break training uh, and cold water recovery and dive. 
so again, in the situation where not every emergency photographer is going to be in that situation, but I had GoPros and some of that, we, you know, we we're talking about this and that. I'm like, hey, I have some GoPros. They're like, sweet. Hey, can we wear them out there? Can we bring them with? Sure. Why not? So obviously GoPros, they're, they're little rugged camera bricks. So gave them to a couple of the divers. And you providing that footage is great resources for um, yep. new divers that are joining their team. Because being a public safety, I'm getting, I'm in the process of getting my rescue diver and my public safety diver certifications from Patty. And it's not easy. Yeah. In the, in the slides, there's a lot of homework you have to do on that. Um, so I've taken a break to focus on medic school. So that's, as you can tell, I look fucking exhausted. <laughs> Why? Um, and in, in a later episode, I might, we might have my instructor on uh, talk about education and knowing you're C- getting CPR certified, even as a photographer would be a smart idea. Yeah. I, just as a regular not. person, I think it's smart as, yeah. as an everyday There's actually human. a bill that he is sponsoring uh, and a bunch of other providers are sponsoring that is before the state Senate in Colorado right now, where I live to make CPR and first aid required for all high school students to graduate in the state of Colorado. I like, I, I think that's smart. It, I think it's smart, but I think it's also a really two-edged sword because teachers are already underpaid and overworked. Yeah. Uh, so you would have to be kind of, you have to either bring in a company for that funded by the state and the school district or get teachers some more help. Yeah. I, I think it's a good skill. Um, but yeah. It's a like, great skill to have. Yeah. Even just to be able to do compressions before we show up. Yep. Like, I can tell you, I was, I'm a certified AHA CPR instructor. Um, compressions, early compressions and defibrillation, even if you don't have an AED on you, a lot of these bigger places have them now or have multiple. Yep. Your office buildings, for those of you that work in, uh, at companies that are in office buildings or in buildings in general, they will most likely have one. Um, they are great to have just in general. Yeah. Um, and it's a great skill to be able to know how to do because what you see on TV and movies is not good CPR. No. I will tell you this. You will hear this in a CPR class if you take one. If you hear ribs breaking, do not stop compressions. It is That's okay. Normal. Just cracking them. No, it's completely normal. Yeah. If you hear a crack right in the midline, you might want to stop because that's their sternum yeah. and you don't want to break that because then you might cause some damage to their lungs or their cardiac tissue. Oh, listen to me. I'm going into medic mode. Sorry. <laughs> um, guys, if I ever go into medic mode on here, uh, Max or any of our guests is fully authorized to tell me to shut the fuck up and come back down to earth for a second. Yeah. We really should have like, if we're doing video, we should really have like a, hey, we say fuck a lot right before this starts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a lot of Brian account. says fuck a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to what we were talking with the dive and stuff, you know, obviously I was on the shore. My lens can only go so far. But for some of those divers that are in like the Mustang suits and stuff, to be able to go out there and hold a GoPro and get close up, that is some value in training points right there. And it's just a different angle. And then some of the divers, uh, like we put a, a head strap on some of the guys held them when they're going under the ice, uh, and going around, that's just an extra angle. So obviously if you're just kind of on the sidelines as an emergency photographer, I don't think GoPros are super useful, um, but you can obviously use them, uh, on you to get first person view and that kind of stuff. Um, but again, just, figure out what you want to shoot and look at camera options. Doesn't need to be super big. Doesn't need to be super fancy. Just find what works for you. Um, 
yeah, as long as it's not Nikon. As far and as nothing against lens, Nikon, I'm sure they make a great product, but I've just never been impressed by them. I've never been impressed by them either. Um, I'm there are some photographers out there who have been published multiple times in some very reputable uh, magazines and journals who only use Nikon's. Um, yeah, professionally, we're just talking shit, and I'm telling this as a disclaimer. We're just talking shit because we like to talk shit. Yeah. We have we like, but there is nothing against Nikon as a professional organization or as their product. I'm sure they make a phenomenal product. I just prefer Canon. Yeah, and I just prefer Sony. Uh, on the topic of glass, I am going to say probably should go with a zoom lens. Uh, primes are not super useful in the emergency world because a lot of times there are situations where you can't move and it's up to the lens to get that. You know, if you're up to the tape, obviously you can't cross it. Don't cross the tape. Um, there's a lot of times where you can't get any closer. So obviously having the flexibility in zoom is good. You have a bunch of different lenses and I kind of have one that's my like Swiss army knife. It may not be the absolute best. What's your that particular lens? Mine is a, it's an 18 to 135, but I have a micro four third sensor. So as it's far as more... that one though, for filming those 18 and 135s, even the Sigmas or the Canon or the, just the Sony brands. Yeah. It's a phenomenal lens as far as range for close in and yeah. even to an extent, some distance shooting. Yeah. I do want to get something that is farther closer to the, maybe the 200 millimeter range. If you're um, going to go 200 or bigger, go with Sigma. I'm oh, I, I, I want to. There's, I just bought their 60 to 600 and it's an F4.5. So it's not going to be super great. Yeah. As far as letting light in. And we say F, folks, that is F-stop. That is allowing yeah. the amount of light into the sensors. Um, so the lower the number, the better. Um, Which so, also, if you know nothing about cameras, YouTube is a fantastic resource. Um, look up different cameras, look up different reviews, look up like crash courses and beginner guides to stuff. That There is nothing that says you can't learn from like a sports photographer about emergency photography. Just or go take a class. Yeah. I, I, Got into photography when I was learning under Raymond Elstad. I literally was forced to take photography as an elective because I needed an elective, <laughs> and that was something that was open. And I didn't. I hated photography at the time, and yeah. Now five years later, just I yeah, find something, get get the knowledge when it comes to camera stuff. Um, just practice shooting. I I'd say, um, find what you're good at. You some of you listening and find might, what you enjoy emergency photographers some of you guys might be great sports photographers some of you might be phenomenal nature photographers you might go to an emergency scene and get shit photos and be like oh i suck at this i'm never gonna be a good photographer and you might go out into the woods and get the most beautiful photo of an elk or a deer or a fox or something because that's your niche that's what your eye is yeah. for. that's what your mind's eye is for find what you enjoy and practice just get after it do what you love love what you do i think cameras are probably the most flexible point as far as gear uh, for what we do. Um, Cause a lot of that is opinion based and what works for individual people. I think it's more of the emergency side where it's a little more strict, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as that is concerned, sorry, I'm putting my phone right here. So if something buzzes, I can look at it. Um, as far as gear is concerned, that's pretty much all I got. Um, yeah. Editing softwares, that's another big gear thing. I would recommend Adobe products. 
Yep, I use Premiere. I use the full Creative Cloud suite. It's it's good. Yeah, it's a little expensive, but it's worth it. It's good. Uh, DaVinci Resolve is another product that's coming out more and more. Resolve is pretty good. I've messed around with it. It's free, and it is a pro-level software that you can get for free. Is it? Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest selling points. It's a very robust software. Um, for me, I'm just used to Premiere. Um, and the other thing is you have the full Creative Cloud ecosystem. Uh, so I can edit audio in Audition, send that as a live track to Premiere, Whatever I edit in Audition will be reflected live in Premiere. I can send stuff to After Effects and do comps and that kind of stuff, send it back into Premiere without getting super technical. It's just a good ecosystem that works together because it's all made by Adobe. Um, but yeah, and I have a laptop if you have one. I When I'm staging a lot of times and I'm intentionally going out to shoot, uh, occasionally I'll bring my laptop with me so I can edit stuff um, and feed it on the spot without having to run home. To you can watch yeah. movies, you can stream stuff on it without killing your phone battery. Yeah. Um, I guess another topic maybe talk about vehicle stuff. Um, eh, vehicles, it's so subjective. We would yeah. never. Well, we'll probably touch on that later. Or if I end up building out, we can talk about that on. Yeah, and once episode, I build out so. my truck and it's completely done. Yeah. And I mean, um, with that, I don't have anything else. About it. Do you have anything else? I don't think so. Just do your research. Find what you want to do. Um, when it comes to safety stuff, that's kind of what we have talked about more um, because there's just there's just good products to have. Um, get reflective stuff if you're shooting at night, ANSI class 3 vests. Uh, if you're around that type of stuff and you need it, get a good helmet. Um, other than that, just find what works for you. As, like, as much of a cop-out as that feels like <laughs> to say the, you know, the final outcome of tonight is find what works for you that's that's how we are obviously between brian and i we have some similarities we have some differences when it comes to gear uh it's just what works for us so i think that's pretty much it that's that's it for gear guys so thanks everyone for tuning in uh we're starting yeah, to see some more night, reviews uh uh-huh. really really psyched about that all of those uh those of you that have left positive reviews appreciate that uh keep enjoying the show keep sharing it out Uh, This has been Frames of Flames. I'm Max. That's Brian. Brian. We'll see y'all later. Go back to your corner, Max. Oh, man. The Frames of Flames podcast is produced in collaboration between 1076 Media and 760 Fire Photo. For more information on the show and to find out about future guests and episodes, please check out our social media at TEN76Media and 760 Fire Photo. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.